Hey, Kevin here, Skylabs, bringing you another video. Definitely gonna be a fun one. I'm down here doing the books for 2023. It's New Year's Day. We hear this quite a bit, and that is, you must have the greatest job in the world running a stereo store, and I thought I'd kinda go over maybe a little bit of the nitty gritty, let you know what it's really like, maybe some of the things you might not think about if you are wanting to open up a stereo store in today's world. So we're gonna get into all the good, the bad, the ugly, maybe some secrets even that the hi-fi community has been keeping from all of us. And the positives are almost exactly what you'd think it'd be. I get to come into the shop every day, put on music, have coffee, wait for my friends to show up, which are the people that work here. We really enjoy our day that is engulfed in vintage stereo equipment. It really is that. That is what you think it would be, and that is what it is. Everybody that works here is really into music, is really into stereo equipment. We all kind of have the same sense of humor that's really important because our sense of humor is really on the immature side. It's kind of like Beavis and Butthead and your mom and fart jokes. That's kind of our daily routine. And then there's the customer side of everything where this is a hobby-based business. People are usually in a really good mood when they're looking to buy stereo equipment. This is a fun purchase. It's not shopping for a new air conditioner or wanting to put siding on your house. This is something that gives you enjoyment. So most of the people that come through the door are in a really good mood as well. They're happy to be here. You get the smell of vintage electronics, an ongoing joke around the shop, and that is, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. I love the smell of vintage electronics in the morning and the vibe and the energy and the music and the customers and the people that come in all add to that. Another great thing about this business, it's a constant learning process. I literally learn something every single day, several things. And that works really well for me because as soon as I get bored at a job and it becomes mundane and routine, I start getting into trouble. And this particular job, you'll never see it all, you'll never understand it all, and there's always something to be learned. <laughs> Vintage stereo hi-fi. That's an endless rabbit hole that you'll never find the bottom of, at least I haven't. Another huge positive and one of the best feelings of gratitude, I guess you could say, handing a customer a piece of equipment that they love, that you've just repaired, that they might've wrote off as dead. That is such a great feeling when you can feel how much they appreciate what you've done. And it, that happens quite often. They don't even really have to say anything. You can just see it on their face. But most customers are really good about saying, you know, um, thank you. I, I, I didn't think I was going to get to hear this piece of equipment again. And I've had this most of my life. I don't know if there's a lot of jobs that you get that kind of gratitude from. Uh, at least I haven't in the past. So... That is a huge thing. It, it makes you feel good and it makes you want to tackle the next piece and try and get it working as good as it can for the next customer. And for the last positive I wanted to mention, and there are tons more, we could go on all day about, you know, the good things about operating a vintage hi-fi stereo store. One of the best ones a lot of people don't think about is it's literally free advertising if you offer 
repair. We have done very, very little advertising because once people find out that you service vintage electronics, you're not going to have to get the word out. Most people will do it for you. You're going to have people coming from all over to bring you their electronics to fix. There are plenty more positives out there, but we need to talk about some of the, the more challenging things as these were some of the things that I didn't think about until I got into this. And I've got to say it, if you haven't subscribed to the channel, please hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, or definitely leave a comment. We've got a great community of people on this channel, and the comment section is always a lot of fun. There's a lot of interaction, and there's a lot of good information out there if you're getting into vintage stereo equipment. So comment, like, subscribe. I really appreciate it. Thank you for watching another video. Let's get back into it. And let's get into the nitty gritty and equipment. If you are going to open up a vintage stereo store, it is paramount to really understand and know which pieces of equipment have potential for catastrophic failure or can have an expensive repair. In any business that sells a product, you don't want to sell something that has a high potential of a return. There's nothing worse than that. Not even because you're refunding the money, but because that customer had a bad experience. So we try and sell the pieces of equipment that we're not going to worry about them coming back in the door. And when you're selling vintage stereo equipment, there is a lot of potential for a lot of issues. So narrowing that down to the pieces that you know are built well, that aren't going to require a heavy repair, that's what you're going to want to stick with. And a lot of people come in and ask, where do you find all this equipment? And there's a good point in there in that, you know, when you first get going, most likely you're going to be at the mercy of Facebook Marketplace, eBay, estate sales, garage sales. You know, with eBay and Facebook Marketplace, pretty risky. We all know that. And with garage sales and estate sales, that's pretty time consuming. And you're trying to start up a business, your time's going to be pretty limited. And with buying these pieces of vintage equipment, you know, something you have to keep in mind is you are going to have pieces fail that were working when you bought them. It just goes with the age of the electronics. It's going to happen. So you have to buy equipment lower than really the value of it, knowing that there's a potential for that piece to fail on you while you own it before you resell it. Your job as a business owner is to try and provide a fair deal knowing the risk of a potential loss. You don't know how many times I've bought pieces of equipment that were working or that I tested working. And keep in mind, you're busy. You've got customers. You've got somebody bringing in a piece of equipment. You can't sit down with that piece of equipment for six hours and let it run and test every single input and output. A lot of times people will bring you several pieces. So you kind of got to look it over, look for some problematic things, give it a quick test and make them an offer. You just have to protect yourself as the purchaser, knowing you could be investing a lot more money and time into this piece of equipment before you resell it. And you might say, well, why not just sell new equipment? And I think this is one of the biggest secrets out there. This is one of those questions that people ask quite often. And that is, 
Why aren't there any stereo stores like there used to be with nice stereo equipment, not consumer Best Buy type home theater equipment? And I think the real reason is the internet changed all of this. The manufacturers of these products figured out that they don't need mom and pop stereo shops to sell their product anymore. They can go direct to consumer. You go online, you look at the equipment, you maybe watch some YouTube reviewers talk about it. They've got a 30 day return policy where if you get it and you don't like it, you return it and life is good. The manufacturer gets to keep 100% of the profit of that sale as opposed to you know, a middleman, a stereo shop that's gonna take a percentage of the profit. In the 70s, the manufacturers needed to give the customer that peace of mind that if they bought their Marantz receiver and something happened to it, they could just take it back to the place they bought it and it would get repaired. So it was kind of a trade-off. I think the dealers needed the stereo shops in order to offer that customer service of repair. And in today's world where, you know, after the warranty is up, it's considered legacy or disposable and they're just going to offer you a 10% off of a new product, that changed. So in all reality, I think the internet with direct-to-consumer not needing repair technicians or repair shops has all kind of led to most manufacturers don't want to sell product to a reseller. It's actually very difficult to get dealerships with manufacturers. It's just the way it is. And I think this might be the biggest eye-opener for a lot of people out there. It was for me, and that is repairs. I'm going to let you in on a huge secret. There is absolutely no money in the repairs. There hasn't been money in the repairs for a long time. The biggest reason for a business to offer repairs really is for customer reassurance when they're buying a product. If somebody came in and asked, what happens if one of these pieces of equipment break? And my response was, well, I guess you'll have to look and see if you can find a repair technician. We probably wouldn't sell much product. And I've actually got a story for you. Rob, our main technician, even in the late 80s and early 90s, started working for a TV repair company that's since been defunct, obviously. The owner came to Rob and he said, I don't need to make money on the repair, but just don't make me lose money on it. There was another stereo shop here in town that used to charge their technician $1 a year for rent for the tech space for the same reason. They wanted to give the customer assurance that a product could be repaired if it was purchased by them. And that was their way to let the technician make the money they needed and still be able to offer a repair service to their customers. And to be totally honest with you, we're kind of the same way. We don't make money off repairs. A lot of people ask us this, how much of your profit is in repairs? N none. You know, that's the answer, none. We've spent a lot of time and made changes to our repair policies to try and make it fair for the customer and the technician. We're still working on that. We're gonna be making another change soon. I've actually thought about only repairing products that we've sold or that we've worked on in the past. We're not at that point yet. We still do like offering that service to the community, but that is another reason why we don't accept shipped in repairs. 
amongst a lot of others. We don't want a team of technicians servicing equipment and shipping it out. We don't want to increase the amount of repairs we do. If somebody out there has been able to figure out how to make a profit on vintage electronics repair, good for them. And th that's great. We like providing the service to the community. We like giving the customers assurance that if they buy a product from us, we are going to service it or make it right. That's the reason we offer repairs, even if it's in a limited capacity. You know, and if that's a mind explosion for you, um, I understand because I wouldn't have thought that myself. I didn't think that myself. And I think this is the reason why if you do find it, an electronics repair place, it might be one or two people there, usually the owner. And it's why you're not seeing them pop up all over the place. If there was money in it, if you could make a decent living repairing electronics, you would see a lot more of it. It is not an easy job and there's a lot of personal time invested into learning that craft. For the amount of money that technicians make, it's really sad because once again, I know a lot of technicians. I don't know any wealthy technicians. It's just the reality of it. Most technicians, they do it because they love it and it keeps them from having to do a job that they hate. That's the truth. So should you open up a vintage stereo shop? And it really comes down to, you know, your goals, your needs. I definitely wouldn't discourage anybody. I would even encourage somebody to open up more repair shops. I would love to be able to send people to other repair shops. It's not enjoyable to tell somebody that you can't service their piece of equipment and also that you don't know anybody that can, at least locally. So. By no means am I trying to scare anybody away from opening a vintage stereo shop because they're going to cut into our profits. That's not an issue at all. I think it just comes down to what are your goals with the business because there are a lot of easier ways to make money. In my opinion, you want to sell something with replenishable goods, new product that you can purchase in X amount, you sell them and you order X amount. I would love to be able to call Marantz and say, send me a pallet of 2270s. Beautiful. That would be amazing. I would have so much more time on my hands. You know, for me, it all came down to, I hated working for somebody else. I'd get bored at jobs and I would start just not giving a shit. That's the reality. And I knew that I needed to find something that I loved, something that I wouldn't get bored with, and I needed something that I could watch grow. I started buying and selling vintage stereo equipment on Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist, and it turned into this. And I'm beyond happy that I did that. The demand for vintage stereo equipment isn't going anywhere, at least as of now. I don't see it going anywhere anytime in the near future, the way vinyl sales are taking off. Don't let anybody tell you that's a dumb idea or you can't do that. Because again, I know nothing about business. I barely graduated high school. This whole thing has been almost fake it till you make it from the ground up. I'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything. Um, I just wasn't scared to take the chance. I allowed myself to make mistakes and correct them. So if I fail once, that's fine. If I fail at the same thing twice, not okay. 
I just plowed through because in the back of my head, when I was having a negative day or discouraged with the business, I would instantly think about the other jobs I've had and I would go, okay, it's okay. I can do this. I've got to do this because I don't want to do that again. And that's a, that's a huge motivator, at least for me. And it's okay if after this you decided you don't want to get into vintage electronics. Find something different. If you're willing to put it all on the line, jump in with both feet and just make it happen. Not to get preachy, but um, I really believe that. So thank you all for making it to the end of another video. Definitely appreciate it. We're going to get back into some top five videos and our regular content here soon. I've been on a couple week hiatus uh, with the holidays. I had COVID and I'm, I'm back. I'm feeling better. It's 2024. We're going to have some fun. We're going to look at getting a Discord channel together. There's all kinds of things we're going to look at doing uh, for 2024. So stick around. Hope you enjoyed the video. If you did, leave a comment, leave a like. We've got more live streams coming here too. We're gonna try and do one a month, I think. That's the plan anyway, we'll see how that goes. But hopefully everybody had a great new year and a great holiday, and I appreciate it. We'll see you in the next video, thank you.